it's just you know a lot more chemistry than I do. I never got much into the chemistry of rocks. I mean, I guess, but that's usually not like particularly relevant to anything other than I just think it's neat, so... <laughs> that's fair. That's very, very fair. Like, if you want to dissolve a rock, I can tell you how to do that, but, like, <laughs> most people don't want to do that is the thing. I dissolved my chalk and thite that I licked. I ended up putting it in water and dissolving it, and it was, like, in a blue in blue water in a jar for ages. It was fun. Yeah, you made poison Gatorade. <laughs> I did! <laughs> Incredible. Very cursed. We should do an intro so I can leave that in. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, it's intro time. Welcome to Spin, the drunk special interest podcast where we get drunk and talk about our special interests. I'm Charlie, my pronouns are he, him. I'm Amias, my pronouns are he, him. I'm Kat, my pronouns are she, her. Yeah, cool. we're here to talk about rocks today. Yeehaw. Rocks, 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 yeah. rocks, rocks, rocks. Rocks, rock. Kat. Kat <laughs> anyway... I am not drinking the poison Gatorade, thank you. <laughs> Slurps loudly directly into the microphone. I had to dump that out for the move, actually, so I don't have it anymore. Oh, oh that's tragic. Unfortunate. I mean, I guess you wouldn't want it to break all of your over all over your possessions, given that it's a toxic copper mineral. It also just gets like white crusty stuff everywhere yeah. when it dries. I mean, I feel like you could also just like once you've dissolved the rock in water leave it open and then as the water evaporates it the mineral will recrystallize in the bottom perhaps but like i've only done that with a few things and i'm not sure if it would work with chalcanthite i don't think it would form know. the same way because chalcanthite is man-made isn't it oh it can be natural it's very rare natural though so most specimens you can get are man-made yeah because it normally doesn't form in the same structure at the very least no it huh. actually is very tubey and kind of like wavy and weird like but um when it was the man-made one i had was kind of like quartz crystal shaped mm. okay so normally it's more like fibrous the term is fibrous oh yeah so like the way malachite do when it forms in not oh, yeah. a big chunk yeah there's Malachite's another one cool. that i was thinking of that wasn't malachite but it was just sort of like striations Kyanite occasionally forms like that, so does gypsum. Mm -hmm. Gypsum. What's the other name for gypsum? Uh, Selenite? Selenite. That's the one I was thinking of. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I know very little about rocks. I am here to be drunk. (laughs) Yeah, how are you doing on that front? (laughs) I am here to be drunk and pester you both with questions that are very ill-informed, is what I was going to say. That's valid. Because I don't know chemistry or geology or any of the shit. To be completely fair, (laughs) the things that I know about rocks are only extremely specific topics and not about, like, geology in general. I have never taken a geology class in my life, and the things that I know about geology are because I spend hours reading the Wikipedia pages for very specific locations. So... I... Most of my rock knowledge has been gotten by buying rocks and looking them up, or, like... Being on Instagram, looking at a rock and being like, what is that? And then clicking the Instagram post and it telling me everything I want to know. <laughs> yeah, Charlie, this isn't this isn't the formal education podcast. This is the special interest podcast. Okay, Probably yeah. <laughs> most of our episodes have been researched on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <clears throat> All right, well, I do have a list of 
things that I want to talk about and things that I wanted to ask Kat about. So, Kat, thing number one on my list, yes. um, because uh, Amaris has talked a couple of times about you've been to, like, rock shows and stuff, and I literally have only been to one in my whole life, and it's just the one that's held in the high school here. So I'm very curious, like, about what bigger rock shows are like and what kind of junk you can get at them, because, like... Um. Yeah. Yeah. The one that I like most is Logan, and I'd say it's, like, medium-sized because it's got, like, a good variety and everything. That one I like a lot because, um, especially here in Utah, it's got a lot of fossils because Utah has a lot of fossils. Bless Utah for that. And then there's, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of different, especially, like, local rocks, or um, I find a lot of slabs of, like, different types of jaspers and agates and everything. Um, but at the really big one in Salt Lake I went to, that one was mainly beads and ge- like beads or cut gems or anything like that. I think that one was more aimed to like a broader audience and less nerdy. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I'm usually not particularly interested in like the gem cut of stones. Like that that is not as cool to me as just like finding junk. Yeah, no, I did not like the Salt Lake one. I was like, oh, this is all lame. Yeah, that's completely fair. Yeah, the Logan <laughs> Rock and Gem show is the one that I'm most familiar with because I've been to that several times. Mm-hmm. Um they have fossils at that one? Usually they have like Oh yeah, there's fish tons and tons of fossils else, I found. But yeah. Quite a few fossils on hikes. Oh, that's extremely cool. I'm aware that like Utah and the states around it, like there there are a lot of fossils in that area. Like there's a raptor called the Utah Raptor that was named after the state, but like I don't know anything about like the when when those fossils were deposited or like what they all are or when they're from or how to find them and that kind of junk. Yeah, what kind of fossils have you found? Um, I've only found horn coral and maybe a vertebrae of a fish, which I'm not allowed to have, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> okay. Is it is it from Lake Bonneville then? Yeah, Lake okay. Bonneville is is like this big old lake that's um, filled up and drained like I think or eighteen or twenty eight times or something, and it's got a lot a lot of uh, prehistoric uh, marine life, and so you can go on hikes around the shoreline of it because it's still very obvious, and um, find lots and lots of stuff like horn coral, and um, that's probably the most common one and the only one that I have, but there are fish or um plants that you can find and then there is some specific areas you can find dinosaur stuff but i have not been there and also it's illegal to own vertebrates and plant imprints oh whack why is that illegal apparently wait it's illegal to own vertebrae i don't know like fossil vertebrae or any vertebrae like vertebrate fossils okay fossil vertebrae I was gonna say, am I breaking the law by having, like, six... Um, vertebrates, like, anything that would be an animal would technically belong to the state. Oh. But, uh, it's not like they're going to enforce it. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So I... people are breaking the law by selling the fish fossils that you can find at the Logan Rock and Deb show? I... They might have a license. There might be a license for that. That would explain a lot. Yeah, I there, I honestly don't know if there's a lot of places that you can find fossils around here, so I've never encountered this issue. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. That's fair. I got a really nice horn coral I once found just walking around a reservoir, and it like is completely out of the stone and everything. It is just completely out, and it's really cool. 
Cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I keep forgetting there's so many sea fossils over there. Because it used to be like an inland sea, right? Like, yeah. Like, uh, Salt Lake City I, yeah. is, like, the lake is salt. Yes. Yeah, Salt Lake City is <laughs> yeah. the remaining... It's super salty because it's the leftovers of it. It's, yeah. It's the remaining part of Lake Bonneville that hasn't evaporated yet. Yeah. It's like the Dead mm-hmm. Sea. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the only thing that ever reminds me that Utah used to be a lake and not a desert is that all of the soil is really full of shells. Oh. There's a lot of tiny shells. Mm-hmm. You can just go fucking walking around and find a she shell. Yeah, if, if, if you a go. A she shell, the... sorry. I'm drinking. She shell, she shell by the seashore. <laughs> if you go up by the. in the mountains up by High Creek, um, the dirt in there, if you just stick your hand into the dirt, you'll come up and have a couple, like, clamshell type stuff. That's so fucking Just really cool. little ones, like a centimeter. Yeah, little white seashells. I actually found a shell fossil, too. We, like. In my one of my big chunks of fossils, because what they do usually is you'll find like a big rock with a, ton, a couple small fossils in it, and we you can take mm. a hammer to it and like expose those better. I found a little calcified seashell in there. Neat. Yeah, that's way cool. I don't know if I've ever found a fossil, so like that's the dream. Someday I will find fossils. I want to go to the Appalachian Mountains and try and find like things from the Cambrian period, but. Lord knows. Heck yeah. Explosion. <laughs> but yeah, um, should we like try to do a fucking explanation of the whole the lake thing for our listeners that are unfamiliar um, with anything like, about history yeah. or geology? What's Lake Bonneville? Yeah, Kat? My- <laughs> you said a little bit about it, but like, it was this big old inland sea or lake or something that uh was covering most of utah and um because i live around northern utah there's there was a shore around there and so it's filled up and drained a few times due to glacier like meltings and um then like drying up and then once again things getting cold and melting again and it's gone up and down a few times so that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why Utah's a great place for fossils is because fossils usually form in places that were once wet that have become dry right mm-hmm. isn't it also because of like the sediment that gets like packed down from like just stuff mm-hmm. getting crushed up in from the waves of the lake you know yeah it's why, like, yeah, totally. marine fossils are pretty common as well, because, like, mm. the waves that, you know, create sand also, like, bring the sand and the sediment down to the bottom, and they, like, compact into the type of rock that forms fossils easily. hmm Yeah. That's, I like... I found out, like, doing research about how rocks, how fossils form, scientists can apparently make fossils within two weeks in a lab setting. Oh, that's incredible. Wild. I gotta learn how to do that. I'm gonna make some fake fossils. Make some chicken fossils, right, baby. Right, would that be so cool? <laughs> chicken fossils, hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, I oh, man. we have a bunch of, like, deer bones, and, like, I had some chicken bones from, like, a whole chicken that I cooked yeah. a while ago. Shoot, we could just fossilize that skull if we had the right equipment. That'd be rad. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... Um, yeah, I was, I was going to ask, uh, Lake Bonneville used to, it was a saltwater sea, right? Because it used to be connected to the ocean and the sea covered the Great Plains as well. Most of the continental U.S. was connected 
I think back in like ye old dinosaur times, most of like the Western United States was covered by like a pretty shallow like inland sea. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, you know, you can find plesiosaur fossils in fucking Kansas. Yeah. And a lot of, oh, what is, which state? I want to say either Kansas or Oklahoma, like, all of the state buildings are made from calcite that was deposited during the, the time mm. when that area was covered by sea. Um, and there's, like fossilized shells within the walls of like all of the state buildings because they're all made out of the limestone that was deposited in those periods i want to say it's like kansas you can probably look it up but like because all of kansas and i'll just drag a friend with me (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. because a a, a lot of like big fancy looking buildings are made with limestone because it's a light colored rock and it's like pretty easy to carve so that you can do like fancy columns and shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like when they built all of the like you know state buildings like courthouses and stuff like that they were all made out of that and there's like shells visible in the surface of them i've seen photos of it it's really cool oh cool yeah sorry yeah. that's just a random factoid that i know <laughs> uh i also just remembered that there's a lot of trilobites in the utah area too Oh my god. That makes a lot of sense. Kat, I gotta come visit. I wanna find some. Yeah, we gotta road trip out there sometime. It's so fun. In fact, I could, um, my mom and brother tend to go out to this mountain range near where they live, and it's like really close by, like 30 minutes away. We could easily get there and like hunt for fossils. Mm hmm. Hell yes, this is the dream. Um, so, uh, as, as far as I know, Lake Bonneville was, like, it was connected to the ocean, and then when the ocean started to recede because of a, a, a climate change yeah. event... Um, at that point, it became a lake. At that point, it became trapped because it's it was between the Rocky Mountain Range and the mountain range that runs through ca- uh, California, mm-hmm. so it was just this yeah. big, big sea, and then it just mm-hmm. started evaporating over time, and that's how you got... Extremely salty salt lake. Extremely salty salt lake and the salt flats. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they go, like, and race them really fast cars on the the salt flats. I know about that. And that's all I know from geography class. (laughs) I've never taken a geography class. I took a geography class in sixth grade. Utah or something, because I remember doing a geography class. Yeah, I, I think you've mentioned, Charlie, yeah. that you skipped that grade because <laughs> you moved. Yes, um, when I my family used to live in Pennsylvania, and in Pennsylvania, the school that I went to, the geography, um, there was a required class on United States geography in grade four. Uh, and we moved when I was in third grade, and the school that we moved to here in Wisconsin does the required geography class for United States geography in third grade, so I missed it. I've just never taken a geography class Yup You know, it'd be like that sometimes That's also why I don't know long division Because same problem Yeah Also learned a lot in science classes That were required Oh yeah Igneous rocks and such And sedimentary and then I'll be honest, I never remember the last one's name um, isn't it igneous, metamorphic, and sedimentary are the three kinds of rocks? Yes, that sounds extremely right. Yeah. Metamorphic is like granite, yes? Uh, no, mm-hmm. granite is an igneous rock. No. Metamorphic rocks oh, are yeah. uh, either igneous rocks or sedimentary rocks that have been um, forced further down into the Earth's crust and, and compacted uh, and recrystallized into a new form from the pressure and the heat of being underground. I thought that's what granite Rad. was. No, granite is just a 
slower cooling igneous rock. That's why the crystals are much larger. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So that's how you get feldspar. I only know the word feldspar because every time we see granite, you point at it and say, "Look, feldspar." Because <laughs> if you feldspar is one of the most common types of rocks in the world. It is. I like it. We were at um, what was it? The Mia, the Minneapolis Institute of Art, a while ago when there was like an exhibit on ancient Egyptian art, and there was this like huge sarcophagus like cover that was made out of pink granite and i went up and like stuck my face real close to it and i was like look (laughs) look at how big the grains of feldspar are in this granite and amayas was like what the fuck are you talking about i literally did not see what you meant when you said feldspar i literally don't know what feldspar looks like potassium feldspar is pink and it's what those big crystals of rock were i thought the granite was red I mean, yes, but it, it's red because there's potassium feldspar in it. The, so the granite's the rock and not the minerals. Nice. Yes. Okay. <laughs> granite is Did a rock. Did you just say nice as a rock pun? No, I just said nice because it's nice and awesome and I like learning things. <laughs> I just know that nice is also the name of a rock. Yup. <laughs> I don't know what kind of rock. Uh, it's also an igneous rock. It's spelled G N E I S S. And it's pronounced I'm nice. Sorry, stop. <laughs> I want to have 69 samples of it in my house. Yes. I, I really want to get some coming tonight so bad. <laughs> anyway, where were we? <laughs> where were we? Kat, did you have anything else to add about the feldspar? No. All I know is it's like, I think, one of the two most common types of rock out there, with quartz being another one. But quartz has, like, lots and lots of varieties. Yeah, Mm. feldspar, I think, is also a silicate of some kind. That would make sense. Silicone silicone is one of the most common elements, isn't it? Yes, Yes, that's something I learned. Yeah, silicon... Uh, iron magnesium. I had to do the chemistry for quartz for reasons once. Was that to prove people wrong about the homebrew D and D campaign? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. no. <laughs> they said that quartz has to be extremely rare, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I got into a very similar argument with the DM of a D and D group that I was in like several years ago, because he was like, "Okay, here's the list of gems and like how rare they are." Uh, and therefore how much they will cost. Uh, And these ones are needed as spell components. And I'm like, well, hold up. Hold on now. That one, first of all, should be much more expensive than it is, pointing at, like, fucking, I don't know, tanzanite or some shit. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, like, quartz should not be... Quartz and amethyst should not be worth, like, 500 gold. They are so fucking common. Are you kidding me? I can, like, buy them for 15 cents. Exactly. Anyway, I remade an entire, like, gems and their costs in D&D gold pieces chart for this DM, and then he never ended up using it, and I'm so (laughs) salty about it. I thought for sure you were going to say that he never ended up talking to you again. Oh, no, we still talk. (laughs) No, but the cat told me about this. The the DM of uh, her current homebrew campaign. It's set in its own fantasy world. Yeah. Um, and it was a vital component of the lore somehow that quartzes were one of the rarest minerals 
on the planet. Whack. It's because before this campaign started as, like, roleplay stuff, it started off as, like, a bunch of kids playing around in the area of their, like, hometown and everything. In the hometown area, mm-hmm. in the hills, there was tons of quartz and quartzite, and so they would always give it tons of special abilities, like, amplifies all sorts of magic and all things like gotcha. that. And they're like, we can't have that stuff be common if it's that powerful. Yeah. And then I was like, but what about Jaspers and Agates? And what about Bloodstone? And what about Tiger's Eye? And they're like, I don't know. I'm not answering this. <laughs> oh my God. All they have to do is change it so that it's like diamond and different metamorphic, different colors of diamond because those occur naturally. Yeah. There's different impurities of diamond that could conceivably have different properties. And diamond's a hell of a lot more rare than quartz. Mm-hmm. But if they want quartz to be one of the least common minerals in the world, then they have to have silicon be really rare, and that changes the entire chemical composition of the planet. Yeah. Of the universe, actually. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. (laughs) Damn, that's whack. I actually have a silicon crystal. It's really neat. Ooh, what's it look like? It's a metallic looking gem. It's super lightweight. It's um, silvery purple. It's kind of neat. Ooh. Interesting. I wasn't aware that, like, pure silicon could be in a crystal form. I had never thought of that before. It was the only thing at the Ren Fair I didn't recognize at the booth selling gemstones. So I was like, what is this? I need it. <laughs> oh, mood. Oh, my God. Neat. I really enjoy that, like, selling cool rocks is a thing that people at, at Ren Fairs do, like, commonly now. Because, like... God, I love to go to a Ren fair. God, I love to look at rocks. Love to combine the two. It's great. Yeah. I bless yeah. the witch culture getting super into crystals, honestly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. anyway. <laughs> Looks down at my list. Did we have other things? I actually had, well, hang Cat, on. It, it, yeah, Charlie has several other things. Yeah, I have several questions. Like, this is going extremely off-topic and extremely on-topic at the same time, but, like, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that you mentioned when you were talking about, like, stuff that you see at, like, the Gem Show and Logan really commonly was, like, there's a bunch of Jaspers and stuff there, and I know that, like, Jaspers are way more common, like, out in that area than they are around here, and I'm very curious about, like just jaspers in general because i like agates but i don't know an awful lot about jaspers that's fair um i mainly just tend to gather them for rock tumbling purposes because i just really like rock tumbling (laughs) um same i wish i was like really good at knowing where to find them i actually found a i followed for a while there someone on instagram who went and mined a ton of californian jasper along with other californian quartz and everything and um like, for me, it, oftentimes we just have, like, many... It's just a very colorful rock. It's kind of neat to look at. Um, I don't know. I always prefer things slightly clear, which is why I like the agates, personally. <laughs> but um, Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've seen, like, yeah. a lot of really, really, really red and really yellow ones. Um, I think I've found quite a few red and green around where I'm at, I think... Um, Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I love finding those. My mom goes on lots of hikes and will find me rocks or bring me on hikes just to find rocks. My mom is way too supportive of my rock obsession. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's so valid. Your is mom's there, very like, cool. Go on. Yeah, is there like a, a trick to finding that kind of stuff? Because like I've gone on plenty of like hikes looking specifically for rocks, and I like don't usually find that much interesting stuff. I feel like most of the stuff that I've found that's very cool is like from the shores of lakes, specifically from Lake Superior. But like I very rarely find cool looking stuff outside of those areas, you know? That's fair for me. I tend to just make sure I try to find the most colorful and I am extremely picky about my rocks. And so every time I'll like gather a ton of rocks that are subpar, get them wet if that happens. Because a lot of the trails that are around Utah are by water and like look at them in the water Mm -hmm. and judge for a while. Um, There's like a lot of kind of black and red rocks that I find. Um, Oftentimes it'll be like if it's one matte color, I tend to toss it because that means it's going to be less spectacular to do anything with. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any really good tricks to, um, finding them though, because I'm still learning myself for like finding everything. And that's part of the reason why I followed a million miners on Instagram to start learning about how to do that stuff. Okay. This is, this is going to be like the nail in the thing that makes me finally get Instagram. (laughs) Because like no one I know on Twitter posts about rocks and it's so disappointing. I need more rocks. There is actually a huge rock Instagram uh, Instagram group. Like I keep, I, most of my Instagram feed is cats and rocks. That's the dream. That's the way to be, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I follow, like, one person on Twitter who posts about rocks, and I'm pretty sure she, like, works at a museum. Like, she has a geology degree. She's very Mm. cool. But, like, maybe 40% of her posting is actually about rocks, and the other 60% is about, like, the metal music that she's into, (laughs) which, like, absolutely fair. Live your best life. But uh, I'm here for the rocks. Sorry. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Not that I don't like metal music. I do really enjoy it, but like, please, (laughs) I need the rock content. Yeah, that's valid. That's why I have Instagram is I've got like, I follow one that's like a store of like really high quality gems. And then I follow one that does fossil cleaning around Colorado. Followed someone mining in California and someone who does mining South Utah, which they find lots of smoky quartz, which makes me want to go to South Utah and go hunting for smoky quartz. Hell yes. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. There's a, I am like slowly compiling a list of places that I want to go rock hunting someday. And the list is mostly like, you know, the Appalachian Mountains, because I want to see if I can find, you know, some fossils or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would love to just go look in a cave someday, because I have been to one cave in my whole life and I want to go to more caves. Oh, I love caves. I just think stalactites are very cool. Oh, heck yeah. I would love to go spelunking. Yes. The other the other place that I want to go, like, looking for rocks is, like, there's a lot of old copper mines in, yes. like, New Mexico and stuff. And I think Ooh, copper yes. minerals are very cool. <laughs> I have a copper sample from New Mexico. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it was just pulled out of the rock and not shaped in any way. So it's got this cool branching structure that's kind of a little bit bubbly because it's just the shape of the vein as it terminated. And I really like that. Yeah, that's piece very of cool. copper that I bought. I paid like twenty dollars for it and that is more than I should pay for copper, but like yes. 
yes, I, I realized that I overpaid for it, but it was really pretty and I was wrapped up in it. <laughs> That's fair. And That's I bad. don't regret it. I've spent I, absolutely ridiculous amounts of money on rocks, honestly. I've spent literally $300 on a smoky quartz with a ton of tourmaline sticking in it. So, I mean, like, I get it. Ooh. That's so cool. I think the most expensive single rock I've ever purchased was that $80 giant chunk of mossy agate. It's yeah. so cool looking. It's like th- as big as my fist. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's like polished on, uh, mo- like I think, four or five faces. And then like the top and there's like little chunks in each of the faces that are like there's indentations or like different, you know, bubbles in the way that it formed. Mm-hmm. It's very cool looking. It's I a should... really neat chunk nice. of agate. Yeah. You, should, you should send photos. Yeah, I will send you photos of this particular agate and I probably will post them on our Twitter as well. But, like. Yeah. It's absolutely the coolest rock I own. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, the smoky quartz with tourmaline was my most expensive and one of my favorites because it's got like a huge watermelon tourmaline spire and then a ton of little pink ones throughout it. It's really cool. My second most expensive, I think, was a $95 uh, meteorite that Demias now owns. Oh, that's way cool. Yeah. I do still have that. It's it's very dense. You can feel the weight of it in your hand, uh-huh. even though it's really, really small. Uh-huh. Like an inch big? Yeah. It's like an inch big chip. I don't know if I've seen this one. I should find it. And you pull should. It it's kind of I like it. It's cool. very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want and the to... way the light reflects off it is neat. I so. want to hold this little rock in my hands. Rock's yes, good. This little heavy <laughs> rock. <laughs> I feel like so yeah. much of the appeal of like collecting rocks and just being into rocks in general is just so that you can line them all up on your shelf and look at all your shiny things. And that's such a crow instinct. That's so goblin. I love it. <laughs> I literally have my rocks all set up in a glass cabinet, or at least the vast majority. The ones that are affected by the sun, I keep in a box so that they don't get bleached. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I have like a couple of amethysts that I keep in a separate box from all the other stuff so that they don't like get too much sunlight. <laughs> but like besides that, I have uh, one and a half entire bookshelves worth of rocks out on display. And then like... Another couple of boxes of ones that I want to display, but haven't found a good spot for them yet. And then another couple of boxes of ones that I want to polish and then display. And I'm like slowly working my way through polishing all of them. I have like two bowls full of polished rocks. One is like a bowl my husband made and then gave to me and then forgot he gave it to me and was going to throw it away. And I almost killed him for that. (laughs) Oh no. But um. I got one full of polished rocks, half of which, or over half of which, have come from Charlie. And then, like, another (laughs) bowl that my grandfather made, a wooden bowl, that um, is full of the rocks that have Mm -hmm. been tumbled but didn't get polished well. And I'm just, like, not sure if I should try and continue polishing them because I'm not sure most of them are good enough quality to. So they kind of just get to sit on the less pretty, well, less less shiny, but still appreciating to look at them bowl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have, like, a a container specifically for ones that I'm like, okay, I don't know if these are going to polish super great, so I'm just going to, like, put all of these shitty ones all in the tumbler together, and what happens, happens. Yep, that's what happens (laughs) with mine. And I actually have a barrel uh, batch that I need to tumble soon. I've got, like, a couple, a handful of emeralds and aquamarine to tumble together because they're too hard to tumble with other things. 
Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I have like a bunch of sodalite and labradorite that I'm planning to tumble together because both of those are like not as soft. Well, they're not as hard as quartz, so I don't want to like put them in with quartz. Mm -hmm. But I'm (laughs) worried that if I put them in with like something else that's softer than that. I want to say sodalite's like a 5.5 usually and labradorite's like between 6 and Mm 6.5. So like... Mm. I probably could tumble the Labradorite with quartz, but I don't want to hurt it because I want it to turn out looking nice. I tried doing that. It did not work well for me personally. For Labradorite specifically? Yeah, Labradorite with quartz. Yeah, I I don't know. I might put it in with something that's like significantly softer than it is then and just like to hell with whatever else is going in with it. Maybe I'll just, put it in with some calcite. I don't know. Just buy some cheap calcite. Yeah. And let it just dissolve into the medium. Honestly, yeah. I've tried to tumble polished calcite a couple of times and it just does not happen. It's like, honestly, it's more worth it to just hand polish it with sandpaper, Listen, which is what I've done a couple of times. I could polish a piece of calcite with my tongue. I, I don't know that it would be wise, but I, mean, I could do that. You're not entirely wrong. I wouldn't and you go would that get far. so thirsty. <laughs> I had a piece of calcite that I was using as a worry stone, and I realized that through the oils on my hands, I was in fact rubbing it into a smoother surface. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean... Uh, I remember my brother got a solid orb of copper that he ended up polishing out of stress. Mm just holding it and rubbing it so much that he ended up polishing it more on a certain surface. Yeah, that's really cool. That's interesting. I feel like with copper, you'd be more likely to, like, tarnish it or, like, make it um, rust or oxidize or whatever. Yeah, but if you had a favorite (laughs) spot. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like Abe Lincoln's nose. I went to, like, Abraham Lincoln's house yeah. and saw that statue. No. Yeah, I've, there's a couple of copper nose. statues and, like, bronze statues, because that has copper in it, where, like, if if people touch the same part of the statue repeatedly, it'll get more polished there. Yeah. There's one of a dog in Japan that, like, mm-hmm. uh, there's one spot on its back where it's much more polished, because when yeah, people, people walk people by, they pet the it. Dog. <laughs> That's oh, so cute. Oh, I love that. That's good shit. Yeah. Wholesome. 10 out of 10. I was out of wine, and I didn't want to be out of wine, so now I have more wine. Good job. Y'all were talking about your origins in rocks? Yeah. I, I've told you this before, but like <laughs> when I was a kid and we took a field trip to a cave and I stole a piece of a stalactite. Yeah. Did you just like break it off? No, it was, um, there was like a piece that had fallen down oh. from the area. Cause it was like, the cave was like a, in the process of being like opened up to be mm. a tourist attraction. So there was construction going on. Uh-huh. And there was like a piece that had fallen down from the ceiling and I was like, oh shit, I want that. Grab it, put it in my pocket. I am really amused by the idea of you walking up to a stalactite and snap it, snapping off the top six inches, but... <laughs> Honestly, it would be like more in character if I just walked up to one and tried to take a bite out of it. <laughs> That's extremely yeah. how I was as a child and how I am still to this day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nature. You ever just look at a rock and you're like, damn, I want to munch on that. You know? Yeah. I feel this way about dice also. I wish rock candy was less Yeah, sugary. I wish rock candy tasted like dirt. Can we make rock candy taste like dirt? God, I wish. Because <laughs> I want to eat dirt. I'll I just eat can't eat dirt. 
You I, can if you're not a coward. Yeah. I am a coward because dirt does not feel good. <laughs> dirt should be a flavor that we can put in candy so it will feel good going down. Yeah, okay. That's valid. I want I soil. Okay, then. And moss. I don't understand, but and okay. Rock. As flavors. <laughs> Give me extract of rock. I want to put it in my ice cream. Oh my god. <laughs> it's what cold stone creamery is. I need rock ice cream. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh-huh. No, I was... That was my question. Kat, I don't remember if you've told me how you were into rocks. I got into rocks. I used to always love rocks as a kid. I'd collect shiny things because I was always a hoarder of a child. But um, my big opening into rocks was going to the Smithsonian. I did not appreciate it enough as a kid. Mm. I'd love to go back. But like, I went to the gift shop and they had like large polished garnets. And I had to get one because it was my birthstone. And then I found bismuth and it was rainbow. And I'm like, I need that. And then later I learned about Labradorite. And I'm like, I need that. And then eventually it spiraled down uh-huh. and I found uh, the local rock shop. And then I was like, ah, here it begins. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Museum gift shops just truly are the most incredible place on earth. It's so like good. Also like tourist trap kind of gift shops where they have those like the like the containers of polished rocks and you get like a little bag and you can get a bag of polished rocks for like a dollar or five dollars or however much. Like those are my shit. I oh, love yeah. those. Mm. I always got the magnetite ones. Those were my favorites. Yeah. Mm. Or hematite. I feel like it's silly to con- to continue buying things from those when, like, you yourself can polish your own rocks. But, like, every time I see one of those at a tourist trap or whatever, I'm like, I gotta buy some. Oh. The feral instinct takes over and you just want to put them all in your mouth. But if you put them in your <laughs> mouth, you have to buy them. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh... There was actually a store at Colorado at least if that anyone um, sees gave you. away small, like a free, you could have one free polished rock from their big old pile of, like the big old bin of polished rocks that you see at tourist traps. And they're like, oh yeah, everyone gets one free one just for just walking into the store. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. That rules. Oh my gosh. Hell yeah. I feel like someday I want to be the sort of person who, like, exhibits at rock shows with just, like, a, a, a huge bowl of polished rocks and you can just stick your whole face or, like, stick your whole hand down in there. Because that's, like, the best <laughs> sensation ever, oh. just sticking your hand in some rocks. I was going to say, that'd be so stimmy. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I would honestly love to, like, just live by Lake Superior. Yeah. And then... Just go out just on them big rocky go beaches. Go out looking for rocks. Just stick your hand down in there. And I can just like lay down in the lake. I yep. just want to go to Lake Superior so bad for the rocks now, honestly. Oh my god, you gotta, gotta come drag visit. I you out to Lake Superior <laughs> I sometime. I have to visit it's incredible. so bad. I'll have to visit <laughs> I know you've been summer. to Lake Michigan. Have you been to Lake Superior? No, only Lake Michigan, because I was in Illinois. We went there for a thingy, and my mom also used to live there, and we had relatives there, and... I like Illinois. It was fun. I will say driving up to Lake Michigan and driving up to Lake Superior has the same visual impact. To me, they have a different spiritual feel, but that's because I am away with water. Yeah. (laughs) Lake Superior uh, is so much more chill than Lake Michigan. Lake Superior has 
impressive tides. Lake Superior has a very soothing yet intimidating energy. There are so many folk songs about all of the ships that have crashed and fucking sunk in Lake oh Superior. It's great. I love Lake Superior. I read about a pirate that did his pirating on the Great Lakes. Okay, y'all, are you gonna get me started on Lake Superior? Because, like, genuinely, gonna... <laughs> my rock special interest has a, a smaller subdivided special interest, which is the geology of Lake Superior and the surrounding area. And I can and will talk about this for a half hour if you let me. Kat, do you wanna hear about Lake Superior? I would be totally fine with that. <laughs> okay. I wanna know. All right. Tell us about Lake Charles. I wanna know. Can you tell me? Okay. I just called you Charles. That's not your name. Close enough. It's close enough. You missed one letter. I made him a singular Charles. Just the one. Just the one. You can have little a Charles as a treat. (laughs) That meme will be completely gone by the time this episode gets posted and we will be so outdated. (laughs) Where should I start with Lake Superior? Do you want me to talk about the formation of Lake Superior? Is it the one that has a, like, an undershelf? I know one of the Great Lakes has a, like, a cliff that, like, you have the shore going out and then it, like, dips down inward. Is that the one? Or is that a different lake? There's a couple of areas on Lake Superior that have that kind of formation. A lot of people go kayaking around there because there's Mm. like little underpasses where you can go like underneath the overhanging rock. And then there's like little islands and stuff. Yeah, yeah. My dad's gone uh, diving there. Um, But I don't know. I'm sure there are other lakes that like have that as well. But it's it's not like one whole entire shore of Lake Superior that has that. There's just like little sections interspersed. I think especially by like the Madeline Islands, which is mm. um, like north. It's pretty much directly north of here. If you just like keep going straight of north here. North central Wisconsin, Lake Superior. Yeah. No, it's it, the Madeline Islands are just off of like the very top part of Upper Peninsula, Michigan. But like my point was the area around those islands has a lot of those like rocky overhangs where mm-hmm. like the shoreline used to be higher mm-hmm. and then like it dropped and it's been slowly yeah. wearing away at like the so underneath it ro- of it the rock. out a cave sort of area underneath yeah. that makes this sort of shelf that you can go underneath. Yeah, there's like, there'll be like pillars of it that are still like standing, connecting it to the main part. My dad has a bunch of pictures that are very cool looking. I don't know how to describe it. I wonder how similar that looks to Arches National Park. It's pretty similar, except it's a lake. Yeah, because air erosion and water erosion, fluid erosion is very similar. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would think that it's... Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, it's very cool. It's terrifying to go kayaking around and, like, under. I don't like kayaking in general because I am afraid of the design of kayaks because if you flip over, you're still stuck in it. Um, Oh, that's terrifying. (laughs) That would not be a problem with the inflatable kayak that I have now. It's fine. It's fine. But, like... (laughs) My husband apparently made a handmade one in, like, scout camp. My parents made two. What the fuck? <laughs> Whack. Why? You live in a desert. They use them. I guess so. They drive out to the Bear River, which is like a 15-minute drive for them. That's how far they are from any water. And Bear River is like the width of Highway 51. Oh, my God. They kayak on it. All right, then. Because kayaks are shallow if, and you can go on. If it works, it works. You can go on like six-foot water. Yeah. 
No, what I was saying was, like, it's very scary to, like, kayak or boat under these, like, weird little archways on the shore of the lake. Because, like, occasionally they do collapse, (laughs) is the thing. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. (laughs) That would be upsetting. Yeah, but, like... That's an understatement. (laughs) I, I don't think anyone's been injured by one in a long time, but, like... You, if you're if you're out there, you know you see places where there used to be an overhang of rock and soil, and it has now collapsed. Yeah. And there's like a piece of it, like at an odd angle, like sitting on the shore there, and part of it yeah. is sticking up, and there's a tree going sideways because it used to be on the top, and now and it's that in tree the used lake. Used to be vertical. Yeah. Yes, it's whack oh to look my gosh. at. <laughs> The the only thing I know about Lake Superior is that it's a big one, and I've swam in it, and I like it. Yes, I have um, strong feelings about Lake is it Superior. Cold? It's it is freezing. Cold. It's very cold. It's it's ocean cold. Um, but yes. when you, it is big enough that it is affected by like the moon. So Lake Superior yes. has tides. Full on tides. Yes. Um, nice. It's also the one for any listeners that may not know. It's it's the one that when you look at it on the map, it's the biggest Great Lake. Uh huh. And it's the one that reminds me personally of that painting of, like, God touching the first human. Uh, and it's shaped like God's hand in that picture. Is that what you think it's oh, shaped I like? What I know always... what I think it's shaped I like. I look at it and I think it's shaped like a dolphin. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the, the hand pointing down. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think of that one. I think Michelangelo painted it. Yeah. I don't Maybe. know. I Maybe. saw it in remember. the 16th chapel. It would... If it is in the Sistine chapel? Mm-hmm. Okay, then it's Michelangelo. Cool, I was right about a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I thing. should know that, but I don't. <laughs> Rip. But yeah, Sorry. Lake Superior's the big oh boy. boy. It's fine, you can cut that I've out. I've had a lot of wine. Good job. <laughs> I might not cut that because that was funny, but I might decide later when I'm not drunk that that wasn't funny and I should cut it. <laughs> okay. That's up to your discretion. You're the editor. <laughs> anyway, where were we with Lake Superior? Lake. What do you Lake want me Superior to talk awesome. about? What is it? How did it form? You, you talk about the glaciers a lot. Oh, yeah. Literally, like... There's a bajillion lakes in Wisconsin and Minnesota and uh, Michigan and, like, the area around here. And, like, all of that is from glacial activity during the last ice age. Because, like, you know, glaciers will, like, move forward and then recede a little bit based on, like, freezing and melting patterns over the course of a year. Or, you know, weather patterns over the course of a couple of years and stuff, you know? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, like, during the last ice age, the glaciers that came down over, um, like, this area that we live in, the area around the Great Lakes, um, and the area of, like, Minnesota, northern Wisconsin, uh, upper peninsula Michigan, a little bit of lower peninsula Michigan, um, the glaciers came down, like, about halfway down, um, Wisconsin, and most of the way down Minnesota, um, and, the the movement of the glaciers not only like dragged sediment and chunks of rock down and like left them down here uh, after the glaciers receded. So like there's there's rock that's at the surface in this area that used to be like in Canada, but the glaciers like pushed it down as they came down further. Oh, cool. 
Now, what about like Superior Agate has made it so it is like special and specific, not like it's not interesting or anything. I think it's very pretty, but like, do you know why um, Lake Superior Agate is worthy of getting its own uh, title? As opposed to any other agate? Yeah. Um, like, why is, it, why is it so popular? Because um, uh, <laughs> it, it is fairly prized. People don't tend to hold the same preciousness about Mossy Agate or other yeah. kinds. I think it's because like, the naming conventions for agates and jaspers are fucking absolutely all over the place. Like, yeah. <laughs> there aren't any. There really aren't any. You can just name one whatever you want. But like the reason that Lake Superior agates specifically... I think it's because they're uncommon. It's difficult to find Lake Superior agates that are bigger than, like, you know, a quarter around because of, um, like, the way that the lakes formed and the rock that they formed on and the way that that rock was deposited throughout the areas, like, south of uh, Lake Superior by glacial activity. So... The rock that makes up, like, most of the Midwest was its um, basalt that was deposited by a volcanic eruption uh, when this area was still under the sea. So it cooled very quickly with lots of bubbles in it because of the, the way that, you know... Uh, when lava comes into contact with water, it cools very quickly, right? So there's no time for the bubbles to escape. Right. So that, That's how you get pumice and mm-hmm. aerated rocks like that. Yeah. So that stone that mm-hmm. makes up, like, the underneath layers of all of, like, Minnesota, Wisconsin, some of Illinois, you know, this area around here, the Midwest... Um, that's under all the topsoil here? Yeah. Like, if you dig down, you'll get basalt? If you dig down far enough, yeah, it's, you know, it, it kind of depends on how much other stuff has been deposited right. over it over time. Um, but because there's so many bubbles in it, that means that water can flow into those bubbles and deposit... Uh, Carry silt yeah. and silicates in there. Yeah, it, it deposits dissolved mm-hmm. minerals like, you know quartz like agate that's how agates form is by layers and layers of um dissolved uh, silicates um you know after the water evaporates they just remain in those little bubbles in the stone right Mm -hmm. and as the glaciers came down over this area and broke stuff up and pushed sediment further south they released a lot of those agates from those little bubbles in the basalt and carried them further down south. So you can find Lake Superior agate just like in fields uh, as far south as Illinois sometimes. Holy cow. But it's super, super rare to find pieces that are bigger than like a quarter because of the way they were broken up by the glacial activity, by the right. movement of sediment. So if you find a really big piece, that's like super rare and it's really cool. And that's why it's so prized. Oh, gotcha. okay. That's really neat. Yeah. So that's why when we walk up to those big booths at the gem show that are all Lake Superior agate and they have a piece the size of a football, mm-hmm. the size of a softball, sorry, I haven't seen one the size of a football. Yeah, that would be worth like thousands of dollars. Yeah, when, they, when we see one the size of a softball, it has a label that says not for sale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because they don't want to get rid of it. Yeah, they if you find something that like that, you gotta kill a man for it. Yeah, if you find something like that, that is in your collection forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. If I were oh, to man. find a Lake Superior agate ever in my life, I would like 
we gotta like move to Duluth or something and yeah. closer to Lake. Yeah, I would like stake my life on it. I want to be at Lake. Yeah, Lake is good. Big water. Yeah, you are a very uh, Lake well water based person. Yes, I extremely. Am. I I don't like lakes, small lakes, as much as I like rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like big lake. That is affected by tides. Big Lake is like ocean, but it's not salty. It's running water. It's flowing, living water. And the lake around here feels very... I long to see the ocean again. It's been too long. Yes, food. The lake around here isn't stagnant, but it feels much more stagnant than flowing water like a river or a lake that gets tides. Yeah, I get that. And I don't like salt water. Feel bad. Yeah, (laughs) it's not great. So Lake Superior is really just the perfect body of water to me. It is. I feel the same way. I love it's Lake so Superior. It's so big. <laughs> That's valid. I haven't been in a lake lake for a long time. I've been in an ocean more recently. And mm-hmm. I just love big bodies of water. And I like grew up in North Carolina for a little bit there. And so like as a child, a lot of my formative experience that I have from there was like going to the beach, even if it was like freaking cold out and freezing my toes off just to be in the water that's so cool you're from north carolina uh when i was really young we were there for a little while because my father was military and so he moved around a lot but um Mm. that's very cool i've been to south carolina and like yes them beaches good yeah them beaches way good yeah yeah (laughs) cat you've lived in north carolina and i know you've lived in illinois um and Utah. my mother lived in Illinois. I never lived there. Um, my, my places were North Carolina and Utah, but gotcha. I've been to a lot of places because I've have family pretty far spread out, and also my mom used to do family vacations until Comic Con came around, and then Comic Con took our vacation money. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you know that's that's how your family is. I love your mom. She's great. Yeah, your mom sounds very cool. Send your mom a text that says I love her. (laughs) You know that she'll respond immediately with Telemias, I love you. I know she will. Wholesome. She's great. Oh, there is a cool spot that I really like that I drive by whenever I see family. That's um, in a, I think it's called East Canyon or something. And it's these two huge uh slabs of like harder rock and then it's like they're really close together and it's called the double slide yeah and it looks like this horrific like natural slide and everything and um from what i heard is it's like i think it was something around the lines of it being it was surrounded by limestone and the harder stone is like what's left because the limestone has eroded away and left these like huge awesome looking uh long formations of harder rock that are all around there but those are the two most prominent and they're right next to each other and it's so cool looking was there a channel of water that used to run down the center because i don't think there is any more but that would explain a lot about why that formed the way it did it could be because it definitely isn't now but that could have been the reason why and it's really pretty thin i'd say i don't know i haven't been up to it but like when you're driving by it, it only looks like probably at most 30 feet apart. Huh. Yeah. That's very there's, cool. I mean, there's a. it wouldn't surprise me if it formed that way because of just even a trickle of water. Because the river at the bottom of the Grand Canyon is not very big. And the Grand Canyon is not very Mm-mm. wide. It's just extremely deep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, limestone and like calcite rocks are pretty soluble in water. Oh, yes. 
they would dissolve easily. Oh, yeah. Go on, Kat. Uh, yeah, there's actually a lot of really cool formations of rocks in Utah. In my opinion, Utah has a lot of really cool geology, mm-hmm. geography. That one. That one. Yeah. Geology <laughs> is the rocks one. Yeah. <laughs> geography is the where things are one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Utah's the Utah's a weird one. That is a weird state. And, like, I hate it. <laughs> but yeah. it's also really pretty. <laughs> yeah. I learned yesterday that Utah is as dry, sometimes drier, than the Sahara Desert. Oh my god. Yeah, that... I told you this when I googled it. Yeah. That's not even shocking, living here. <laughs> it's much more damp than the Sahara Desert in the winter, I will say that, because you're farther from the equator. But in the summers, you get down to 8% relative humidity. Which is very dry. Yeah, a lot of people used to, like, I know a lot of kids my age would get nosebleeds. And then when my cousins came from California, they'd get nosebleeds all the time, every time they visited. I used to have the worst chapped lips in winter. Huh. I feel like there's got to be some way to plan, like, the ideal rock hunting road trip where you, like, hit (laughs) different places in the U.S. (laughs) at, like, the ideal time to look for rocks, you know? Google that. I bet somebody's written about it. I'm glad we're recording because I will remember to look this up when I am editing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But, like, because I want to go, like, to all up and down the Appalachian Mountains. I want to look for fossils. I want to, like you know, go mm-hmm. fucking spelunking and because there are like I want to go to fucking Carlsbad Caverns. Where is that? I don't know. Oh, I really want to go there. I almost is went that... there with my family, but we had to cancel those plans. Where is that? Is that in Colorado? No, they're in um, Carlsbad, I think is uh, New Mexico or Arizona. Mm. I know it's in one of the four corners. Yeah. I think it's New Mexico because I remember going there for a family vacation and we were going to go to Carlsbad Canyons, but all my siblings were being completely sticks in the mud the entire time, so we barely got to do anything. Oh, that's so That's unfortunate. how it be when all of your family is neurodivergent. <laughs> yeah. And wants oh, to no. just, like, return to the routine. I get that, but sad that you missed out on a really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. God, I, was excited I want to, to go see to caves. That. Kat, have you ever been to any big caves? I went to a big cave once when I was an itty-bitty child. I was, like, three years old. (laughs) I went, when I was a kid, my family used to take a pretty much annual road trip out to this cave that had a guided tour. It was maybe three hours from our house. I don't know where it was, but it was Timpanogos Cave. Oh, that's doable. Mm -hmm. It was... It was Timpanogos. Cat, look it up. I think it's somewhere in Utah. Oh, I could do that. That would be easy. Three hours is an easy drive. Yeah, go to Timpanogos. I, I go. fucking loved it. What? This is a cave, right? It's a cave. I think the mineral is calcite. Probably. It's a calcium mineral because everything's really yeah. opaque, yellowish white. Yes. But it's got guided tours and nice steps. And it was there. You get to a really deep point and everything around you is exactly 40 degrees, like the temperature of the rock around you not the temperature of the air. Perfect. It's really nice and humid down there. And then there's a point where you get down there all the way and they turn off the lights and it's pitch black unless somebody brought a glowing bracelet. And did you? Several times. <sighs> Foolish. I really want to go here now. This it's has to be really on our rock cool road cave trip. tour. I liked it a lot. My parents always talked about going to Minnetonka Caves, but that was farther away and more expensive. So we never went to that one. Hmm. Um, but Timpanogos was the one that I remember. That's and really I always cool. did want to go up and like grab a stalactite. What were we talking about? We have to go on a rock hunting road trip. We do. 
<laughs> and I this is love, one of our stops. I would love to go to Timpanogos Caves. I would love to go to Minnetonka Caves sometimes because my dad talks all the time about Minnetonka Cave. Where is that one? Um, is that the same like kind of cave as this other one? It's the same type of cave, but it's uh, deeper, I mm-hmm. think. A longer tour, a deeper tour. I think the cave I went to as a little, little babby of like two feet tall was uh, Mammoth Cave. Mm. That sounds familiar. I think I've heard of that one. That sounds familiar to me yeah, as I well. Yeah, I think it's in somewhere in the east area. This is your editor speaking. Uh, we got off track and there was no way to smoothly edit it, but I wanted to include the part where we talked about the Ren Fair. Sorry. So clearly the moral of the story here is that all of us need to A, become the kind of people who vend at a Ren Fair. Yeah. B, yes. I'm going to someday have polished enough rocks so that I can just fill a child's swimming pool with polished rocks <laughs> and have that be my whole store set up at a Ren Fair. The ball pit. Yeah. <laughs> Here, you can either pay a dollar to take a bag of rocks or you can pay five dollars to take a bath in the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would Incredible. do that. I would pay that five dollars so quickly. Just lay down in the rocks. It's like a weighted blanket. Yes. And we promise none of them are sharp. Yes. They're all polished. It's all fine. This is genuinely the kind of person I want to become. Heck yes. I want to be the kind of person who makes wooden bowls. I want to be someone who makes jewelry. That's so fair. I think you'd be really good at it. Hell yeah. Have you ever tried to do, like, wire wrapping? Oh, I cannot do that. I have no skill at it. So instead, I'm trying uh, precious metal clay. Oh, yeah, that's cool. yeah, yeah. I've seen you work with that before. You've got like this, it looks just like normal Sculpey, but when you mold it and then uh, bake it at the right temperature, the clay all like evaporates or dissolves or melts away or something. And then you're left with this sheen of like copper, aren't you? Yeah. And it's actually really neat because when you sand it, it will start to show the copper because it's like getting away the clay binding agent clay. And so you'll like sand it and it starts to shine up that way too. It's really neat. That's That's super cool. cool. Oh my gosh. I feel like once you become the sort of person who starts to collect rocks, you reach a point where you're like, I have so many rocks and I don't know what to do with them. I could either A find some way to display all of them, B, get rid of some of them, or C, find some way to make things with them. And I've like hit point A, have not hit point B yet, definitely want to hit point C, but I don't know what the hell to make with rocks other than like jewelry. And like, how do you- Dice. Yeah, dice, I guess. I know you tried to make dice out of some amethysts. It, yeah, quartz is hard to do that with. Quartz is way too hard to be worthwhile unless you got the proper tools for it, and it's not something you can just sandpaper into dice easy. Yeah. I got my friend some Labradorite dice because he's a huge fan of Labradorite, and like I, tell, I, I haven't got it to him yet because he hasn't gotten around to me because we live four hours apart. But like I rolled them in my hand for a little and then I stopped and I looked at them and they got like chipped up and was like, oh crap. And then then I was like, you aren't rolling these. These are for display. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Unfortunate because of the like way that Labradorite forms, right? It's got those breaking points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the fractures in quartz. Dice are got those nice sharp corners and you know, sharp corners are going to scratch the other rocks. 
Yeah, if you clack them against each other. I feel like the way around that would be to, like, have one of Round those dice... the edges of... You could have a dice box that you roll them into that's, like, padded with something. And so they've each roll... got their own little slot. Yeah, you roll one die at a time, and you roll it into your little dice box, which is lined with some kind of soft fabric, and therefore you mm-hmm. don't hurt your fancy rock dice. Yes, that would be a good idea. I recommended to him to roll it on a cloth or onto paper because that would work too, like a pad of paper. Yeah, that way you don't hurt your fancy rocks. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't hurt the table with your very heavy metal dice either. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. If you've got wrought iron dice. He does have metal dice. I want metal dice so bad. They're so nice. Cast iron dice sounds like a cool thing to have. They would be so heavy, though. They would be so heavy. I want granite dice. I heard granite dice tend to be really well weighted. They would be so heavy. They'd be so stimmy. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. I feel like making any kind of dice out of rocks would just be like that good kind of satisfying because it's like very heavy and cold and you hold it in your hand and it is rock, but also it's a good shape. Heck yes. The way that quartzes retain heat Mm -hmm. is really pleasant. Yeah. Quartzes and agates and tourmaline. Yeah, because they're like, when you you touch them and they are cold, like a rock. And then if you hold them for a really long time, they become warm, and then they retain your heat when you touch them later. Interesting. A little bit. like I don't usually hold a rock for long enough to find that out. (laughs) They just have the density to retain heat like that. I really like that sensory aspect, of course. I I feel like this is extremely on-brand for the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I I really like sticking rocks into, like, running water for a bit, and they'll be, like, ice cold when you pull them out, and that's super satisfying in the summer. Mm. Yes. I feel like a, a big aspect of, like... Uh, it's probably not super uncommon for, like, collecting rocks to be, like, a special interest for people. Like, there's got to be a lot of people in the world that that's, like, their thing. I'm Otherwise, sure. there wouldn't be such a robust, like, rock collecting and polishing community. And there wouldn't be, like, online forums, of which I am a member of several, that just talk about rocks. <laughs> Yeah. Like, so many people are very into this stuff, and I feel like a big aspect of it is just that, like, having rocks is very satisfying in in many ways, but especially ways that are good oh, yeah. for like the stimmy aspect or like the the kind of hoarding instinct of like, yes, I like to look at shiny things. That seems to be so common oh, yes. in autistic people. You know, my favorite stims are. Uh, visual stems, so having sparkly rocks is just yeah. my thing. Yes. And having visually changing rocks like Labradorite. Yes, that's I why I like Labradorite those. so much. My personal favorite visual stem I have is a really beautiful uh, quartz sphere that has like lots of uh, fissures and everything in it, so you, like, you shift it around and it just shines so many different uh, faces and everything, and it's so nice. Yes, I really enjoy that like they're in a lot of like quartzes that are polished, you can see like the lines of where the crystal was growing originally and like intersected with another one like on the inside. That's so mm-hmm. cool. I love that. I love it too. You can also see that in like certain kinds of feldspar if they're like transparent enough because um, labradorite is a type of feldspar, amazonite is a type of feldspar, and then there's like those pink potassium feldspars and when you look at those in the light the right way you can see like those kind of lines and striations inside them from the directions that the crystals were growing and I think that's so cool to look mm-hmm. at because like the way the light shifts around in right. those is super neat. 
So when you see those lines oh, yeah. in the labradorite, those aren't microfractures. No, that's the that's direction the that the rock grew. of the formation. Yeah. And labradorite is a feldspar? Yes. That's neat to know. This explains a lot about why you point at granite and say, look at all the feldspar. Yeah. I, there's a lot of different types of feldspar minerals. Labradorite is one of them. I think the most common one is that pink potassium feldspar. I found out that sunstone, sunstone is a type of labradorite. So it's also a type of feldspar, apparently. Oh, neat. I didn't know that. I've only ever seen like the, I don't want to say fake, but like lab made sunstone, the kind that mm. literally looks like, you know, just like sparkly stuff in, in a resin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen real sunstone. Yeah, that's fair. One of the miners I followed showed some, like went mining for sunstone in Oregon and then, and had some of that. And it's really weird. Cause like the pieces he found were all like clear with like a red in a red center. Like it was this red center and then it just immediately went clear on the like when it went outwards for some reason it's really weird and neat and then um Uh. i've seen a lot of like confetti sunstone where like it's a really high quality sunstone with like big chunks of shine one of its shiny surface where it's like also rainbowy and everything it's really neat that's really cool does it have those same like lines of growth on the inside that labradorite has um it has similar but uh still quite different Um, it's way more broken up usually. Mm. That's interesting. I gotta like look that up because I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's very cool. And that's a rock fact. Yeah, y'all want to hear a fun rock fact? Let me grab one of my rock books that are just just sitting in a random page and read us a fun rock fact from your literal pile (laughs) of seven books about rocks that you have by our chairs. There's more than seven, darling. I own. Oh, both of these piles are about rocks. Both. Yeah, all of the piles of books over here are rock books. I only have a pile of Tolkien books. That's the only pile of books I have. All right. A Tolkien pile's pretty good too, though. I can't blame you there. I found my I found my fun rock fact. Did you? Heck my yeah. fun rock fact is that there's like a bajillion different things that are still classified as quartz. Uh, Chalcedony or Chalcedony or however the hell you want to pronounce it. That's just quartz. Same chemical formula. Silicon dioxide. Agate is quartz. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jasper is quartz. Chert or flint Mm -hmm. is also technically still quartz. It's silicon dioxide. So the difference between these would be the way that the crystals form. Yes. And the way and what they're suspended in. Uh, No. And what impurities? I believe tiger's eye and aventurine are also uh quartz yeah tiger eye is quartz that has uh replaced the structure of a more fibrous mineral usually what's the one that's always in ceiling tiles that's bad to breathe in Hephaestus. yeah yeah tiger's eye is uh quartz that was dissolved and slowly replaced asbestos mineral over time because asbestos forms in those uh striations well i'm glad we have tiger's eye instead Yes. I am glad to have not asbestos. Yep. And that's a rock fact. (laughs) Uh, Here's a rock fact. Sulfur really does stink. It does. (laughs) I don't own any sulfur, but I do know what it smells like. I only knew sulfur stink because of Supernatural. I have have a sulfur and it, it is faint for the most part, but if you stick your nose on it, it's like, oh, that's rotten eggs. Yeah. It's definitely there. I I'm trying to remember where. I think I've been I've been to Yellowstone. Yeah. You know Supernatural the, like... and Yellowstone Caldera is mm-hmm. what 
clued me into the fact that silicone does in fact smell like bad eggs. Sulfur, you mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's all those big like m- mud pools that are like a yeah, the paint volcanic pots. activity. They smell like sulfur. Yep. Yeah. I would love to go rock hunting in Wyoming. Heck yeah. Okay. I, I mean, don't know anything about Wyoming as a state. I just know that that's where Yellowstone is. You're not allowed to take rocks from Yellowstone Park, though, because it's a national park. I've been told I can't take shells off of places. They don't catch me. They can't stop me. <laughs> right. If it's in your pocket and they can't legally touch you. Be gay, do crime. You know. <laughs> and that's the moral of this episode, y'all. Be gay, if do you, crime. If you find a rock, fucking take it. Fuck the cops. You can do what you want. That's the whole that's the whole episode is just be gay, do crime, take rocks. <laughs> yes. Be gay, do crime, eat rocks. Good night everybody. <laughs> Good night. Hey, thanks for listening to Spin. Next time, we'll be joined by our friend Ray to discuss mushrooms. That episode should go up Friday, March 13th, but the next two weeks are pretty busy, so it might be delayed. We'll let you know by Twitter if that's the case. Our theme music was composed by Laura Driver. You can find her other music at aqua-girl.bandcamp.com. If you want to join us on the podcast, email us at spinpodcast at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter at spin underscore podcast or on Tumblr at spinpodcast.tumblr.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.